right. Hey, thank you, everyone. You can clap. Uh, everyone who is a part of ShareFest. And uh, these three people have ShareFest shirts. If you see someone with a ShareFest shirt, thank them for serving the Lord. James, thank you. Um, we had we had about 950 people show up uh, last Saturday morning and did landscape overhauls for 501 schools. We had over 24, well, we had 24 churches, and this is uh, at 12 different locations, and $30,000 either have donated or paid for um, shrubs and trees and mulch and all that kind of stuff were invested in our school system, no strings attached. We just did this because we love Jesus and we love our community, and so it was a great, great weekend. Thank you to everyone who was involved in that, and so we celebrate that. And uh, we also want to let you know that uh, this is our 14th year of doing that, and we really have become friends with uh, 501 School Leadership, and we're thankful for that opportunity. Uh, We're going to get into the Bible now, so if you have your Bible, open it up to John, 2 John, 2 John, so towards the way end of your Bible. It's a really small book. It's one chapter. If you were to read uh, 2 John, there would be no chapter 1. There's just verse numbers, and um, this is about the size of the original letter. Now, I haven't seen the original letter of, of 2 John, but it was usually written on parchment or strips of leather and sent out to the church. And so uh, John, Apostle John, wrote this, and he would send it then with a trustworthy person known by him and by the church who would receive it and take it to them and deliver it to them. And they would deliver it to the elders of these churches in Asia Minor. There were many churches in Asia Minor there. And they received this letter. And uh, what they would do is they would gather. They would gather the church together. And they would uh, pray. And then they would listen to the word. And then they would explain the word. Encourage the word. And exhort the word of God in their lives. And so that's what we've done. I've had my secretary print this out for us. And uh, I'm going to actually, we're going to pray and ask that God has freedom in our lives. And then we're going to read it just like they did. And then we're going to explain it, encourage each other, and exhort each other to what this means in our lives. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we could all be here. Thank you for each person in this room and what you're doing in each of their lives. Thank you for bringing them to a place today where they'll hear your truth. And so, Lord, would you have freedom in our lives to share the truth to us? And may we have ears and hearts that are open to your truth to uh, understand it and to obey it. And we ask that you would do that with great power and that we would, we would see you working in us this week as a result of joining together, whether it's here or online, to lean into your word. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Second John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. 
For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves so that you, do, you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him take part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Okay, so obviously there's a bunch of stuff in here and uh, I'm going to be covering it um, in under 30 minutes. And you're going to be, though, I just say at the end of this, you're going to be 166 through the book of the, or through the whole Bible. Okay. So we're going to get a whole book in on our, on our time today. And what he's going to call them to is again, just be a friend of the truth, be a friend of the truth and live out that truth. He's going to ask us to receive the truth. He's going to act, ask us to practice the truth. And he's going to ask us to protect the truth. That's what he called them to. And now, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be called into that today. The big idea of 2 John is this. There is no trust without the truth. You know, this has been a crazy year. There's been upheavals. There's been disruptions. There's been truth claims over everything. And no one... No one believes everything about everything. And so, so it's, it's caused us to question what is true? What's really true? And we can point our fingers at different institutions, right? We can point our, our, our fingers at government. Are they telling us the truth? And then there'll be some type of corruption in, in, uh, or around in our local community. And we'll go, oh, they weren't telling us the truth. Or we can point at, at our corporate leaders and our business leaders. And we can see uh, just in the stock market how crazy it's been. And then the corruption comes out and you realize they amped up the numbers for, for the, the quarter and the stock went way up and then everyone on top sold and then so many people were crushed as the stock crashed. And, and then there's even academic research technology. There's all those things. There's sports, there's entertainment. All the people who kind of gave an image that they were living one way were living a lie. And we have to do that. And, and if we're honest, it even happens in the church, right? I, I, my heart has been grieved by different religious leader nationally who put themselves out to be someone they weren't while they were on stage and behind the scenes were living the lie or living in deception. That hurts us in, way, in, in a way, but nothing hurts us more than when a loved one lies to us, when a spouse doesn't tell you the truth, when a parent doesn't tell you the truth, when a child doesn't tell you a truth. Nothing hurts us more when our, than when our friends lie to us or shade the truth, and we have to pay the price for that. See, the reality about this is there is no relationship without the truth, because there's no trust. There's no trust without the truth. And what, what John is saying is ultimately, in your walk with Jesus, you believing him as the truth, and you walking in his truth. And remember, what does walking in the truth look like? What's abiding look like? It means to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he'd do. 
And it means that we love him and we love one another. That's what walking in the truth looks like. And it also means that we obey his commandments. And, and we understand that that gives us life. It gives us freedom. It doesn't restrict our lives. Because you won't trust him if you don't believe he's true. And everything that the false teachers were doing is they were coming in, they were adding to the gospel. They were saying, no, that, that was so elementary. The gospel is so elementary that God loves you and that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you could put your faith and trust in him. We have a higher, we're the enlightened people. We're, we're so far beyond that. This is who he really was. And they didn't see him as fully God and fully man. And, and John just said, knock it off. I, I, I heard him, I touched him. I saw him. I proclaim this to you. He came here and he is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Fully God, fully man. Trust him as the truth. And so he's going to do that. And as he does that, he's going to encourage us as the church. He's going to encourage us to do three things. He's going to encourage us to receive the truth, practice the truth, and protect the truth. Let's go through each one of those as we look at this. Now, the truth is mentioned. In the first three verses, as I just put up here, look at where the truth is. I love you guys in the truth. Secondly, um, that you all know the truth. And then because of this, the truth abides in us, and it will be with us forever. And then ultimately, in truth and love, as he says here. And these are people who've received the truth. And walking in the truth is that you put your life in a position where you're receiving the truth of God in your lives. Whenever I think about receiving the truth of God in our lives, I think about Jesus' teaching by the Sea of Galilee. And I've been there. I love this. This is right outside of Capernaum, where he based his ministry in Galilee. And uh, as I've traveled there... um, This is one of my favorite places because I can just imagine Jesus teaching this crowd of people that was actually literally pushing him out into the sea. There were so many that kept gathering. So he got in a boat and Mark 4 details this and he started sharing a teaching about receiving the truth of God through his word. And he says this, he says, a sower went out to sow. And uh, the seed that he sowed is, is representative of the word, my word. And so he goes, the first seed fell on the path. And immediately the birds came and ate it up. And he says, this is the seed that, that when people hear it, immediately Satan comes and devours it and takes it away. So it bears no fruit in them. This represents a heart that is hardened to the truth. This is even a heart that's blind to the truth. They didn't even know it hit them because immediately was taken from them. And then he said the second type of seed, that seed fell in on the rocks. And and because it had no root, it got some rain and it sprouted up. But then when the sun came, it scorched it and bore no fruit. And then he explained what that kind of seed was, or that kind of soil was. He says, those, the seed that falls on the rocks, that's where people hear the word and they immediately receive it with joy. They go, yes, that sounds really good. And how many times have you heard the word of God and the truth of God and even said, yes, I agree with that. I believe that. But when it came down to actually following it and doing it and obeying it, you just get, oh, and there's no way I could do that. And that's exactly what he says, because he said, these are the people that immediately receive it. But, but then when tribulation or suffering happens on account of the word, immediately they fall away. 
these are people who are just afraid of the truth. They're afraid of it. And I've been afraid of God's truth from time to time. I felt, man, if I follow him, my life is going to mess up. I'm not going to have the opportunities. I'm not going to have the friends. I'm not going to have the potential. I'm not going to be capable of doing what I want to do in this world if if I really follow him. And, And fear can keep people just scorched on their faith. And then he said, this seed, the other seed fell among the weeds. And the weeds grew up with it, but the weeds choked it out. They ate up all the water and they ate up all the nutrients and, and therefore, it withered. It didn't provide any fruit. And he, then he interpreted it. Those are people who hear the word of God. They receive it. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word that is sown in them. These are people who are distracted from the word. And I don't know if you've ever been distracted in life, if you've ever been in crisis mode, but in crisis mode, it just robs you of confidence. It robs you of any type of perspective so that God's word can be shared with you or you could read it or even memorize it. But when it comes to practicing it, you're just distracted. There's so many things. There's one more kid to take to practice. There's one more uh, final report for the, for the quarter to get done. There's one more uh, paper to grade. You're just distracted and therefore it bears no fruit in you and then he said and then the good soil happens right some seed fell on the good soil and it grew up and it bore fruit 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold those are those who hear the word and apply it in their lives and bear the fruit of it okay what kind of soil do you want to be answer the good soil. All of us, that's the slow pitch from Jesus. We don't want to be hardened to the truth. We don't want to be afraid of the truth. And we don't want to be distracted from the truth. We want to be people who receive it. And it's brilliant. It was a brilliant parable to teach because as I've hiked around northern Galilee here where Jesus taught this, on every path I've hiked on, there's these types of soils. There's the path which was made out of that I know you can see it to the far left there. Uh, it's, it's the basalt, dark basalt rock that nothing grows on and because it, it, it's devoured by the birds. And then, and then there's, if you look in the distance there, those, there's rocks. Seed will fall on that. And real close to us right there are the thorns, the weeds. And then out in the distance you see grass. See, there wasn't a step that they would take where they weren't invited to receive the truth of God from his word. And that's what Jesus wants for each of us. There's not a step that we take where we're hardened to it, we're afraid of it, we're distracted from it, but we are people who receive it. That's the picture he wants us to have, people who receive the word. Secondly, um, look at also what the word produces. Look at verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from his Son, Jesus Christ, in truth and love. So grace is that undeserved love of God that realizes when I have the truth about who Jesus is and what he, what he did for me, I realize I can't perform for him. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more. There's nothing I can do to make him love me less. I just receive it as a gift. I receive his grace, and it's ours. That's the truth about the gospel. The second thing about the gospel is it's mercy, and mercy means that we don't get what we deserve, right? Instead of punishing me, instead of judging me, Jesus was judged on a cross for my sin. 
and I receive the mercy of God. That's the truth of Jesus. And then peace. Therefore now, being justified by faith, I now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The truth about Jesus gives me all these things. It bears fruit in my lives so that I can be a person then, not only who receives that, but then who can give grace to you and mercy to you and peace with you. Okay, receive the word. And then let's keep reading. He said, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. There it is, walking in the truth as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, why why does he call her dear lady? And is it a woman? No, it's the church. John, this is code word for the church. The church is seen as the bride of Christ. and, And Christ is the bridegroom. And when he returns, the two will be united forever. Us and Jesus. Okay, and so he says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one that I've had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Okay, these are really strong words. But what he's basically saying is to abide, to walk with God in the truth, is to, again, believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he was fully God, was fully man. Secondly, that we love one another. Third, that we obey his commands. He's talking to us to practice the truth, that we're people who believe, we're people who love, we're people obey his commands. Jesus prayed this for us. He said in John 17, he prayed to the Father. He said, sanctify them. That means us, the church. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We have someone in heaven, Jesus, praying for each of us to practice the truth in our lives. Not just to get it or to know it, but to do it and to live it. Because it's all about this picture of practicing. How do you practice the truth? Well, let me just say, you're going to be tempted this week in one area or another to lie, to, to shade the truth, to, to de-emphasize the truth, to make a point, to build a straw man, to, to embolden a, a, uh, an issue or a, or a stance or a standard or a principle. And we're called here at that time, practice the truth. I don't know what area you are tempted to shade the truth. I don't know what lie you've bought into about yourself or the world around you that is causing you to live in darkness. But we all have areas in our lives where we've compromised the truth. And what that does is it it prevents Jesus being reflected in us. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. What he's calling us to then is to reflect him as the truth in our lives, to practice that. We're called to be people of the truth. And again, just as there's no trust without the truth, if there is separation from you and someone else, it might be a truth issue. If someone is separating from you, it might be an issue they have with truth. Are you open to the truth, even to have it called out in your life, so that you're open to hearing the truth? The book of Proverbs details this word of truth for the wise, the foolish, and the evil person. And the wise person hears the truth and changes their lives to reflect the truth. 
And, and that's, that's a picture of maturity as a follower of Jesus. By practicing the truth, you're, picture, you're not a picture of perfection. You're a picture of change. As you allow God to change your life and call you back and you realize there's things in my life that don't measure up to the truth of who God is and what he's done for me. So I change to reflect the truth. A fool would rather change the truth than change themselves. And an evil person would just try to eradicate the truth, destroy the truth, so it never gets out. Because it's such a threat to their lives. You have a choice to be wise and to practice the truth. Let's keep reading, because here's the final thing that he's saying. He's saying, watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Those are really strong words, but let me give you the emotion of what he's saying. Have you ever had a grocery cart full of groceries and you're rushing to get out and to check out? And as you're walking towards an open aisle, you see, you see someone coming alongside of you, picking up their pace and cutting in front of you and getting their groceries in, out, in and out faster than you. What does that bring up into you? You know, I, I just want to say jerk, but I know a pastor shouldn't say that. So I send, I usually say bless you, you know, or something like that. It wells up. You know, we don't like it when people skip ahead. We don't like it when people chit, cheat to get ahead or, or when they, they skew the results so that it makes them look better. We don't like people to lie on their performance evaluation so that someone gets a raise when you who've been more faithful don't get it. And here's what, what John is saying is don't, those who, who try to go on ahead, they, they try to view their lives as better than yours or cheat or skip in line, they don't have God, right? Now, I'm not saying if you've ever done this that you don't have God. I'm saying this was a doctrinal thing that they were against. They didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. And by the way, our world still believes that. People have always struggled with believing Jesus for who he really is. And that's why our faith decision is based on the truth that Jesus is who he said he was and did what he said he did. So let's keep reading there. He says, whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Okay, again, strong language. But what is he saying? Walking in the truth is protecting the truth. What doesn't this mean? Let me just explain that because some of you are a little, might be confused on this, as I was when I first read it. Does he say that we shouldn't greet people who don't believe in Jesus? No, he's not. What he's saying, though, is if someone brings in a false doctrine and tries to teach in the church that you're a part of and gives an alternate truth to who Jesus is, they're supposed to deny hospitality to that person, Okay. And so it's, there's, there's that picture of the truth. If there's deception, you protect the body of Christ from the truth, uh, from the lies that are a threat to the truth of God in Christ. Okay, here's what I mean by that. We all watch out for our bodies, right? What's on our bodies and what we take into our bodies. And like, a month ago, I was um, golfing in Arkansas, visiting my mother-in-law, and I shanked one into the woods, and I went to look for it. I found it, and I put it back on the fairway. It was a brilliant shot. But the next day, the next day, I had one of these on me. I had a tick on me. And I know, you're getting a little nervous just to see it that large. Some of you have just heard, I can't look at that. I can't. So I just took the thing when I found it on me, and it was right here, and I 
twisted it off, and I killed it. I killed it. They're hard to kill. You got to almost burn them. And I, I kind of just took my fingernail and killed it. And sorry, all you tick lovers out there, that's how I took care of it. But, but I didn't want this on me. And, you know, even to this day, I've got a little bump there that still scratches. And I know if any of you have had Lyme disease, you're going, Joe, get that checked out. I got it checked out, okay? And I'm okay. Thank you for caring. Thank you for caring. But you know what? How many ticks do you want on you? Did someone say five? Did someone say that? Who said that? Okay. None of us want any ticks. I'm going to turn the page just so you can look back up here right now. Okay? Thank you. You're right. So we don't want any ticks on us. How, how many amoebas do we want in a glass of water we drink? None. Trust me. If you've had an amoeba in a third world country, you never want an amoeba again. That whole asexual reproduction that happens inside of you is not good. And, and how many... Is, and so as we just think about this, we don't want bacteria. We don't want viruses. We don't want all those things in us or on us. But that's just our physical bodies. Why is it that we tolerate so much that we take into our minds? That's not the truth. Why is it that we allow the world to kind of lull us to sleep on the most important things that are, that are eternal things that get sacrificed for things that are so temporary? See, we have to protect the truth in our lives, in our eyes and in our ears and in our minds and in our hearts the same way that you're cautious about how many calories you intake, what kind of, how, how pure the food is or the water that you drink. Let's be vigilant in that. It calls us to do that. To be, because we have no idea that one little lie can move into the next lie and can move into the next lie. And we have no idea about what one tick does to the human body, how one little bite explodes and magnifies into a Lyme disease that makes the whole body feel sick. And robbed of its power. And so let's be vigilant over what we're taking into our lives. And ask the question, is this true? Just so that you know this, our elders here at our church uh, take this seriously. We've gone through these past five months our doctrinal statement. And we read all the scriptures with it. And we teach to each other when we have an elder meeting. And we are learning the truth and affirming the truth. And we're putting together a series throughout this Throughout this summer called, we really believe this, that we're going to be going through with a reading plan and everything. And that's what I invite you to be a part of this summer. Because we want to protect the truth of this church and to call you to protect the truth in your lives. That's the picture that we have. Now let's just look at these last two verses because I, I want to explain another point that's not in your notes and comes at no extra charge today. Okay, it says, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Now my eyes typically skim over the farewell. It's like yada, 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 farewell, bye. Okay, but, but what he's saying here is, Hey, I've written this to you, but really what gives me greater joy is for us to talk about this and to be with each other when we talk about the truth. And I would just say that's, that's a principle that still lasts today. When you tell someone the truth, don't write a Facebook post. When you tell someone and confront them on something they've done, I would even ask you to reconsider an email 
and try to have face-to-face. There's just so much communication that happens face-to-face when we're talking about the most important things of our lives. And when we're talking and receiving the truth or, or practicing the truth or protecting the truth, face-to-face, I'll, I'll bank it all on that. And what he's saying is the truth needs to be practiced and received and protected in community with each other, not out in isolation. See, when I'm in isolation, I think my way is the best way. I, it's never challenged, and I can only look for the information. I can look for the news feed to believe whatever I want to believe today. I can't, because there's a news feed that agrees with one part of what you're saying. You could find that on social media, but is it the truth? We need each other, people grounded in God's word, to receive it together, to practice it together, to protect it together. And those people ought to, over time, be able to call you out on the truth. So that if I'm struggling, like as May 15th approaches and due to COVID, we can, uh, you know, put our taxes in later. You know, if I'm struggling to cheat on my taxes and I share that, hey, I'm tempted to cheat on my taxes. I have another brother or a sister who could say, hey, I hope you don't do that because God, God is the source and protector of the truth. And I love you too much for you to compromise the truth. We need to be able to do that in love. But we need to be able to do that. That's done in community. So if you're isolated right now, and especially if you're being tempted to live a lie or are deceived by something, even if you're blind to it, you need us. And I need you in my life, in community, to walk in the truth together. Okay, here again was our big idea. There is no trust without the truth. And I want to show you here, uh, my, my last illustration is this with the rock. And I, I've talked about the truth being a light, but I also now want to talk to you about the truth being a rock in your life. Because as I read, and I, I've read in Psalms this week, in Psalm 71, it says, the psalmist writes, Be to me, God, a rock of refuge, to which I may continually come. For you have given the command to save me. For you are my rock. You're my fortress. And so that we would see there's just something about a rock this size and larger that we just go, that is firm. That's immovable. That's heavy. And that's the truth of God in our lives. It should have weight in our lives. Not something we just try to move aside because it's in our way. But it ought to get in our face from time to time if we're thinking about walking off the path. I don't know what you see or experience with rocks. Um, I think in, in the U.S. here, you, you can have, you know, the governor's mansion or you could have El Capitan, you know, out in Yosemite National Park, a rock that stands a thousand feet uh, from, the t- from the bottom to the top. Um, in, in Israel, the rock I love to go to is Masada. This is a fortress atop this massive, this massive mountain that overlooks the Dead Sea. Herod the Great built his fortress on that area. And I've walked from it down to the bottom with my son and my daughter-in-law and my other son. And, and we walked down that snake path. I don't know if you can see it there. And we encountered this rock. And Masada in Hebrew literally means fortress. And if you're in the middle of the desert and you look up and you know your fortress is there, you depend on it. That's what God says. That's what the truth is with me. Trust me as you would trust this rock. Take confidence in the truth that I have as you would take confidence in a fortress that no one could break into, that no one could steal that away. And so church, think of the truth 
as the rock of God that you would put and build your foundation on. The truth always wins, and there is no trust without the truth. But since we have the truth, there can be trust. There can be relationship. There can be community. There can be people receiving the truth, practicing the truth, and protecting the truth in love. That's what we're called to be. And so now, let's celebrate this truth we have in Jesus. And we're going to be doing it through the taking of communion. And if you have your elements at home, you can take them out now. Or if you have the elements here or don't have them, you can pick them up on the sides of the room. We're going to sing a song um, that Bill Horn wrote, uh, recognizing the blessing that we have with Jesus. And we're going to sing this. And what I want you to do is I want you to sing it and just remind the people around you through your singing, even if your voice isn't that hot. It's okay. They'll appreciate you sharing this. This is where we preach the gospel to each other about who Christ is and what we have in Christ. And then we'll celebrate Christ, the solid rock on whom we stand. All other ground is sinking sand.